Welcome to the Second Students North podcast. My name is Luis, and we're in a series called Receipts. In this series, we take a deeper look into some of the questions people may have about their faith. Our prayer is that through God's Word, we can answer some of these questions that you might be wrestling with. We hope you enjoy week one. All right, well, tonight we're starting a new series, as you can tell, called Receipts. Now, how many of you guys have ever been into Costco or Sam's Club, one of those places before? How many of you have never been into one of those places? Cool. Well, one thing that happens every time you walk out of that place, I've got a membership to those places. We go buy bulk. I was one of four kids, so, you know, my family, we had to buy everything in bulk when I was growing up. But when you walk out of the store, what do you have to show them? A receipt. Why do you have to show them a receipt? So you didn't steal. That's right. Somebody said proof of purchase, right? You got to show your proof of purchase. Now look at me. Here's what happens. They want to know that what you're taking out, you're supposed to actually take out. Now right now, in our world right now, people say, show me the receipts. What are they talking about? They're not saying I want to see a receipt. They're saying, show me the proof, right? So here over these next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about some proof. We're going to ask some really tough questions. We're going, to, we're going to tackle and unpack some really tough questions over these next couple of weeks. Does God care about me? Does, can I trust him? Does he love me? Tonight we're going to talk about does God even exist? Is God even there? Is there even a God? That's what we're going to look at tonight. And some of you guys would say, yeah, that's a question I have. I'm skeptical about that. That's a question I actually have. And you know what? You might say, yes, there is a God, but show me the receipts. Where's the proof? We're going to give you some proof and some, show you some receipts over these next couple of weeks. Hebrews chapter 11 is where some of this is going to come from for the next couple of weeks. But starting in verse 1, it says, faith, everybody say faith. Let's try to get everybody to say faith. faith. It says faith is the reality of what we hope for and the evidence of things we cannot see. Through faith, the people in the days of old earned a good reputation. Verse 3, by faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. Now, here's what I want you to know right from the start. Tonight, we're not just talking about this blind faith. A lot of people think about faith like it's a blind faith. Like you just jump and you're just guessing and you're hoping and wishing and it's a blind faith. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a reasonable faith. We're going to show you some proof why you can have faith. Now, here's the thing. My wife and I, we've been married for over 16 years, okay? We've been married a long time. Now, she says she loves me. I can look at her and be like, show me. Show me the receipts, prove it, right? But here's the reality. I can look at our lives together and I can know that my wife loves me. It's not blind faith that I just say, well, I'm just gonna trust that she loves me. No, I get to see that she loves me. I get to see the, the expression of her love to me. We're gonna talk about some proofs of how you can know that God exists. Now, in this whole thing, I want everybody to understand something. Look at me and listen very carefully. Some of you walk in here tonight and you're gonna walk in for the next couple weeks and honestly, if you're honest, you'd say, you know what, I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical about some of these things. You say, you know what, I, 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 I just am not really sure how I feel about all this stuff. And here's, here's what's really tough for me, honestly, is that f- the reality for most of us in the room is you have plenty of reasons to be skeptical. For some of you, you're skeptical about God and a God who would love you because of things that people have done to you. 
Because they've done something to you and you would say, you know what, how do I know that God is real? Because that should never happen. And so you walk in here skeptical because of things that people have done to you. Some of you are skeptical because of things that people you respect have said. Some of you are, are skeptical because you've watched videos or listened to things or some of your friends said something and you didn't have an answer and you just weren't sure how to, how to navigate it. And so you walk in and you're skeptical. Some of you would say, you know what, I'm a Christian and I have doubts. I want you to know there's room for doubt. There's room for saying, you know what, I don't understand everything. Because if you have to understand and know everything, then none of us are ever going to believe in anything. Ever. Nothing will you, you'll never be able to believe in anything because there's nothing you know 100%. If my wife said she loves me and I say, well, I, I, can't, I can't know for sure because I can't see it. I, I, don't, I don't, you know, I just, I, I can't be 100% certain that I'm just not going to believe it. No, but I get to see the evidence of her love for me. And because of that, I say, I trust that my wife actually loves me. And I hope that she trusts, I know that she trusts that I actually love her. And there's times that I don't even get it right. And she still knows that I love her. We're going to give you some receipts. Some of you guys walk in that way. Now, there's some of you here who you say, you know what, I'm a Christ, I'm a Christ follower. I love Jesus. And I don't have any doubts. I don't have any doubts. There's probably a couple of you in here who say, you know what, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Like, that's it. That's all there is to it. If that's you, that's fantastic. That's great. But here's the thing. That is going to be challenged every season of your life. If not every day of your life, that's going to be challenged every season of your life moving forward. If that's you, that's great. And I want to give you some evidence so that when that time comes and you're challenged, you actually have some things that you can actually say, you know what, I, I believe it, but I also know it. It's not just something I believe with this blind faith. It's something I know and I believe because I know. Here's what 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. This would be for those of you who, who say, you know what, I believe it and I, and I know it and all that kind of stuff. It says, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Now, there's a lot of you here who you say, you know what, I'm a Christian, I call myself a Christian, I, I've given my life to Jesus, I've turned my life over to him, I'm not going my own way, doing my own thing, I'm actually walking with Jesus, but I still have questions, and I still have doubts, and I'm still maybe a little bit, you, you might even say I'm a little bit skeptical, because I have some of these doubts. Here's the thing, that's okay. I'm glad you're here, like this is where you need to be, this is a place that you grow and you learn. And some of you are saying, you say, you know what, I'm not a Christian, I wouldn't even call myself a Christian, but I have doubts, I'm skeptical, I want you to know we're glad you're here. Every one of these weeks, we're going to be glad you're here, and here's why. Because a lot of people would say that they're skeptical. A lot of people would say that they have questions. You know, I'm questioning these things, but they're not actually looking for an answer. The fact that you're here says you're open to try to find an answer to some of your questions. And so we're glad that you're here. This is an important thing for you to know. So tonight, um, we're going to kind of talk about some things um, that are going to require you to turn on your brain a little bit, all right? Not, not in a school sense, but, but you got to turn on your brain a little bit to remember some of these things, to know some of these things, to understand some of these concepts, because we're going to talk about scientific findings, okay? There's some of you guys who, in a, in a world where nobody wants to really get answers, in a world where you're always told certain things, you're told that facts and truth don't even matter, a lot of times we're going to give you some facts and we're going to give you some truth that matter tonight. Okay, so we're going to answer that question. 
Is God real? Does God exist? Or is everything here by random chance? Are you here? Am I here? Is everything here by random chance? How can I understand and actually believe and know that God exists? Here's what we're going to look at. Because you can really know. The question is, can I really know? You know, you might think about, can I really know? Like, like this guy right here is like, oh, thinking hard. Can I know? The answer is yes. Yes, the answer is yes, you can. Not just from what the Bible says. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to see how science and faith actually fit together. Some people think, and if I asked you before I started this tonight, many of you, if I said, how many of you think that science and faith are opposites or they're fighting against each other, many of you would have raised your hand. I want you to know that that's not true at all. Science and faith go together. And the more science discovers, the more it comes together. It's amazing how that works. And I'm going to show you why, and I'm going to show you how tonight, because the evidence is some of the newest findings in science point to a created universe. Some of the newest findings, not the stuff that, that happened 50 years ago, 80 years ago, 100 years ago. I'm talking about the newest science is still pointing even more so to a created universe. And a lot of scientists, there's a lot of scientists these days who are abandoning these old philosophies and old theories because they're looking at science, they're going through the scientific process, and they're like, you know what, I can't, I can't believe that because everything I'm studying and researching and all the things I'm doing are telling me something different. And so there's a whole lot of people that are abandoning those old philosophies. So here's, here's the first question. The foundational question is, is it possible for conditions to be present for life to form by random chance? Is it possible that the conditions for life to form are present for life to form by random chance? Which, here's what that means. Again, I, got, I told you you got to turn on your brain a little bit uh, tonight in a different way than normal. We want you to have your brain on every week, but like tonight's going to be a little bit different. Okay, so for life to exist, there have to be certain things present. If all the oxygen disappeared out of this room, we're all gonna die, okay? Like there's certain things that have to be present for us to even live in this room. We're already living beings. But for that to continue, there have to be conditions present for us to actually live, okay? So that's the kind of thing we're gonna answer first, and then we'll go. First thing, some of you guys know this, there are habitable factors that have to happen for life to exist. You can go to other planets, and life cannot exist on those planets because they don't have these habitable factors in place. Science, the scientific community has kind of narrowed it down to say that there's a bare minimum of 30, three zero, habitable, habitable factors. How many factors? 30, a bare minimum of 30 that it takes for life to actually exist and, and sustain on the earth. Without these 30, life isn't even remotely possible. So these habitable factors, the first one we're going to talk about, we're just going to talk about a couple of them, by the way. The first one is a terrestrial planet. Here's what this means from a scientific standpoint. Here's what it means. It, it talks about the thickness of our crust and how the crust of our planet actually is one of those factors that has to be in, pla in place for life to exist. So here's what it means. You know, we have, the earth has a crust, right? We all know this because we, we studied this. No matter what age you are, you kind of know these things, right? But the earth has a crust. And here's what happens is that these tectonic plates, there's this thing called tectonic recycling, right? And what's happening is the tectonic plates are colliding and they're merging and they're kind of folding under each other. And why is that so important? Anybody remember? 
Make mountains, but what else does it do? It regulates the temperature of the earth's core, right? It regulates the internal temperature of the earth's core. Imagine if it was just this completely solid crust and there was no place for heat to escape or for anything to come in. It regulates the temperature of the earth's core and it causes a movement of liquid iron inside, underneath the crust, inside all the way down to the core that also creates a magnetic field around our earth. Now, why is that important? Because there are things called solar winds. If we didn't have a magnetic field around our planet, then solar winds would come and wipe away our atmosphere. But we have a magnetic field that holds all of that in place because of these tectonic plates that make it a terrestrial planet. You and I live in a space that is the perfect bubble for life to exist. This planet, the perfect bubble for life to exist. People are talking about going to Mars, guess what? They're gonna have to create little bubbles that aren't already there for life to exist. That's what they're trying to do, is they're trying to figure out what's it gonna take for us to make life exist, because what's currently there is not gonna make it happen. But we're talking about going to Mars. Kinda like the moon, very much the same, right? There's certain things, like we can go there, but we're not gonna live there unless we take these things that we already have here with us. That's the premise of this. That's just one. Another one, we're gonna move through these, the next ones a couple, uh, very quickly. We have an oxygen and nitrogen atmosphere. Some of you guys are like, what? Oxygen and ni nitrogen. 78% nitrogen, 21% oxygen, and 1% carbon dioxide. This ensures that we have a proper climate in our, on our earth. It protects the planet from the sun's radiation. Some of you guys know this, so we're not just burning up all the time. It's the perfect environmental environment to create liquid water. This is why it's so important because if there's no water, we're not gonna make it, right? So that's one of the things they're always checking for when they're looking at other planets, like, can we go to that planet? Oh, there's no water there. We can't go to that planet because we know that there's no existence outside of having liquid water. And so that's an important part of the puzzle. We also have a large moon. Our moon is one quarter the size of the earth. And this is an important habitable factor because it causes a gravitational pull that forces the earth to tilt at 23.5 degrees. Why is it important that the earth tilts at 23.5 degrees? Seasons. It gives us seasons. Some of you guys are like, I'm learning this right now. This is awesome, right? It gives us seasons. So here's what's happening. Our earth isn't spinning this way going around the sun. Our earth is spinning on a different axis, which gives us seasons. So as we go around our star, as we go around the sun, it changes seasons. So when we're in the northern hemisphere and the northern hemisphere is the closer side to the sun, then it's summertime. When we're in the southern and we're close to the sun, that's going to be summertime, right? They're opposite seasons, and that regulates our Earth's temperature as well. Otherwise, um, the Earth's temperature would be like one solid degree all the time. And there's other things to it as well about the Earth actually rotating versus being static, moving around the sun, which would mean that only one part of the Earth ever gets sun. There's all these other factors to it, right? The next is we have the right kind of star. We call the star the sun. Very good. You guys are doing so good tonight. This is like science class, right? You guys are doing so good. But here's the thing. It's not just a sun, it's a star. And here's the actual term for it. It's called a spectral type G2 dwarf main sequence star. Here's why that's important. 
Here's why that's important, because different stars have different factors around them. This particular star is very important. So when people are like, oh man, it's really hot outside, the sun is just burning down, be like, it's not the sun. It's a spectral type G2 dwarf main sequence star. <laughs> what is wrong with you, right? And you can, you can act like you're super smart, right? But here, here's why this is so important, because every star has what's called a habitable zone, right? We just so happen to be in that range of the, of the only zone our star has to allow for life. You get outside of that zone, and we're not going to have it, right? If too far away, we're too cold, too close, we're, we're too hot, which means we are in what's called the... Goldilocks zone. Very good. It's called the Goldilocks zone. You remember that story when you were a little kid? Too hot, too cold. This one is just right, right? That's where we are. We're in that Goldilocks zone. So those are the ones we're talking about, but listen to me. So I just talked about some of those things. Some of you guys are like, man, I felt like I was in science class all over again. Great. Okay. But here's the thing. We're going to go ahead and help you understand a little bit deeper why this is so important and why this is so critical to understand. If you give these factors a one in 10 chance of happening, okay, a one in 10 chance of happening, then the odds of having all of them happen at once is one out of that, right? Those things happening, that's what it is. But listen, listen to this, listen to this. But that's not all because to have them all of, the, all of them accurately calibrated with the force of gravity, which is an important piece of the puzzle, without gravity we're, we're lost and we're flying off into oblivion, right? With the factor, listen to me, with the factor of gravitational pull, you could take the ruler of the length of the universe and lay it out and if you move everything by one inch, it's game over. That's how perfectly situated we are. That's how perfectly situated we are. So the probability of just two of these factors being calibrated right, not just being present, but actually being calibrated in the right settings is this number, one out of Here's that number. One in a hundred million trillion 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 trillion. I mean, you can, you can totally wrap your mind around that number, right? Totally. Yeah, it's ridiculous, right? So here's the thing. You and I, listen to me. You and I don't look at anything else in the world with that kind of co complexity and say, wow. What a lucky complexion of particles. I can't believe that happened, right? We don't look at anything like that. Not only is it scientifically impossible, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense, okay? Uh, there's a man named William Paley. He was a, he was a uh, theologian and a scientist, and here's what he talked about. He talked about, it's called, uh, it's called the watchmaker, right? And what he talked about is you could go and you and I, listen, he says, you and I can go pick up a rock and we can look at a rock. And we can explain by natural processes how that rock came to be where it was, right? But if you walk on the same road and you walk a little bit further and you pick up a watch, there's no possible way you can explain through natural processes how that watch was so finely tuned and finely calibrated and all the pieces were put perfectly together to do what it's done. 
right? You and I don't look at a watch and think that that's true. You and I don't look at this phone and think, yeah, I mean, it just came together. You know, they, oh, they put all the parts into this, into this place and boom, it just came together and now it's working, right? Nobody thinks that. You don't think that about anything else in your life. But there are people who want to tell you that you're an accident, that all of this is a random accident. I want you to know science is telling you it's not an accident. Scientists are telling you it's not an accident, just not all of them. And the ones who shout the loudest, for some reason we start to believe them, even though this is what happens. And you guys use Legos when you were, when you were a kid? Or some of you guys are like, when I was a kid, I did it earlier today, right? Um, imagine you had like trillions of pieces of Legos, and you were able to put them in this massive thing that was just swirling things around and all that. And then all of a sudden it built this. All right. Yeah, that's the one dude perfect is on bucket list. Uh, no, listen, none of you would look at that. None of you would look at that and say that that's even possible. It's not remotely possible. It doesn't matter if you have all the parts. At no point are those parts going to put themselves together to be like this. But a lot of people look at our universe that is so finely tuned, finely calibrated, and they say, you know what? There's no way. There's no way there's a God. They just came together by chance. We don't do that with anything else. So here's the thing. Even if all those habitable factors were present. So we're going to go ahead and say all 30 of those habitable factors are present. Hang with me now. All 30 of those habitable factors are present now. What are the chances that life could actually form? Start thinking about the foundation of life. The building block of life is what? DNA, right? Which comes from two things, proteins and Amino acids, right? The chances, listen to me, the chances of one functional protein, functional protein in the strand is 10 to the 65th power. Okay? Now, here's, here's the reality. Again, this is under the assumption that all those factors that have such a limited possibility of even being true, all of those factors, if they're present, present, how does life even come? 10 to the 65th power of having one of those functional proteins that could actually form. Now, here's the thing. They would actually tell you that the realm of possibility is 10 to the 121st power. Beyond that, it is absolutely impossible. There's nothing possible beyond that, is what they say. So we're, our, we're discounting the fact that all those habitable factors have to be in place. We're just going to throw that out and say, let's pretend like all of them are just already in place. Now, what would it take for life to actually come? 10 to the 65th power for one functional protein, but you need 100 functional proteins for life to begin to form, which means it's actually 10 to the 6,500th power. 6,500th power. So far beyond the realm of random chance possibility. Now, here's the thing. You don't have to remember all this. You don't have to, <laughs> thank you. You don't have to remember all this. The point is that even the scientific community, the latest scientific research is telling you and telling me, this is scientific research. This isn't like you know, we're doing this and, and it's like the Bible telling us, or we're reading and we're just like, oh yeah, the Bible says, you know, 10 to the 6,500th power. That's, that's where I'm just going to believe it. No, this is science that tells us that. This is where they come together. 
You don't have to remember all these things, but even science is pointing and declaring the impossibility of life coming together by random chance and by accident. Some of you guys would say, well, how come, how come scientists don't believe this then? How come scientists don't believe that there's a God and they say that there's no God? I want you to know this. A lot of them do. There's a whole lot of them that do. A whole lot of them that do. You can even go find whole groups of them that have said, we are Christian scientists. Like, the, there's people that are yelling really loud about how you can't believe in science and God and how they, can, how they conflict. They absolutely don't. And these people are saying, no, 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 we're scientists. And we have some of the, the finest scientists in all the world. We had a guy that was on our campus who was the number one scientist in the world in nanotechnology, which is the smallest form of science you can actually ever be in. He came and talked to our Chinese students a couple years ago. I was like, I mean, like, he talked for like two minutes about science, and I was like, I can't do it anymore. Nanotechnology. He is the number one, like the leading scientist in nanotechnology, and he is a firm believer in God and creation and all that kind of stuff. I need you to understand there are a whole lot of scientists that actually believe that God created everything, and they look at science, and they look at it through a different set of lenses, and they say, man, this is so amazing what God's done. This is so amazing, and all these things affirm it. Now, I'll say this, and this is really important to understand. I've read this before. There's a, there's a quote um, by a guy that named Patrick Glenn. He's had a PhD from Harvard University, a deputy director for science programs in the United States Department of Energy. I've read this before, but I want to tell you something. This guy was an atheist, and he was a scientist, and he was one of the best scientists in the world. That's how he was moving up in this position, getting into the positions he was getting into. And when he looked at everything, he said, there's no way. I can keep being an atheist and believe that all this is random chance. He actually gave his life to Jesus as a part of this whole thing, became a Christian, believed that God created everything. There had to be an intelligent designer, which led him to say, who is that intelligent designer, which led him to find out who it is. It's God, the God who created everyone and everything, who created you, has a plan and a purpose for you. And he said, I want a relationship with that God. And he found out how he could, how he could have a relationship with him. Here's what he said. He said, today the concrete data points strongly in the direction of God and the God hypothesis. Those who wish to oppose it have no testable theory to marshal only speculations about unseen universes spun from fertile scientific imagination. Ironically, the picture of the universe given to us by the most advanced, listen to this, the most advanced 20th century science is closer in spirit to the vision in the book of Genesis than anything offered by scientists. He says, what we're finding out in science actually points to the fact that God created everything. A lot of scientists actually believe in God. And for those of them who don't, a lot of people just try to explain it away. One of the most well-known atheists in the entire world, Richard Dawkins, was interviewed talking about this whole thing about creation and what he said, because he can't look at the evidence and say, you know what, this evidence says that everything came together by natural, by chance. He says, you know what, it might've been aliens. Here's the thing, and this is why this is so important to understand. There's, there's people that are trying to explain it away and they'll do everything they can because they want to not believe in God for whatever reason. And some of you tonight, you came here and you say, you know, I want to not believe in God. Maybe it's because of something that's happened to you, something that somebody's done. And you say, I want to not believe. I want you to know you can look at the evidence and, and understand that there's a God who created you, has a plan for you, deeply loves you and wants a relationship with you. It's an amazing thing to understand. There's a lot of other scientists. What he's talking about in this thing is that he says that they talk about unseen universes. They're talking about basically the imaginary friend of science. Things that we can't see that are there. Unseen universes is the stuff they talk about. 
But all of this even starts with the fact every scientific theory starts with matter and existence. The matter already existed. So that's where we start. Most of all the scientific foundations come from guys like Copernicus and Newton and Galileo and Kepler. All of them, by the way, believed that the earth was created by God. These, scientific, these scientists that you talk about are the foundations of science. These people that were in the foundations of science and created the foundations of science, that, that kind of thing, they helped us discover these things. They all believe that God created everything. That's where it all comes from. There's this, there's this departure from that. Listen to Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. It says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. It says, don't let anyone capture you with this high-sounding nonsense where they're going to say, maybe it was aliens or maybe it's unseen universes, parallel universes that we can't see. There's all these other factors that they're going to put in. He says, don't let people capture you with that kind of empty philosophy and high-sounding nonsense. Genesis 1.1, the last verse, and then we'll finish out. It says, in the beginning, God created. Here's why this is so important to understand for every one of you in the room. I it doesn't matter if you are, are a believer and you say, yeah, I already know this, I've already believed this. I want you to remember something. This is so critical to understand that God created everything and that God created you. You are not an accident. Not one of you in this room are an accident. You're created for a very special purpose. You have a God who loves you so much that even though you and I, every one of us in this room, chose to go our own way and do our own thing, and we've separated ourselves from God, and the Bible talks about that our punishment of being separated from God is death. He says, I'm gonna pay what you owe. I'm gonna pay that death that you owe, and he sent his son to die a death on a cross that you and I deserved. Some of you today, you're looking in, you say, I came in skeptical. I want you to think about one more thing. We'll close with this. Why is it, even if you say, you know what, I, I'm not sure I understand all these things. I want you to ask one more question. Instead of looking outside, let's look at yourself for a moment. Why is it that every single person in this room has a deep desire to be loved and cared for? Where would that come from? That you, every person in this room, want to be loved, cared about, and cared for. Did you know that there are no animals running around in the forest thinking, how can I make a difference today? There are no animals thinking, you know what, I really hope that person loves me. They just don't. Like they're not running around in the forest thinking that, thinking that there's a purpose and thinking that, that there's something unique and I really hope this one loves me. No, they go by natural instincts. That's about it. There's a reason, it's because God has written it on your heart, on the heart of humans, unlike any of his other creation. You are unique. And by the way, that would not be there if you were a product of random chance. God has written it into you. He spoke everything into existence and it was.